Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Jörn Larsson. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Patrick Hyten, who is a research associate at the Diabetes Research Centre at the University of Leicester and also part of the NIHR Applied Research Collaboration East Midlands. The paper is promoting physical activity through group self-management support for those with multimorbidity, a randomised controlled trial. So we know that people with multimorbidity have an increased morbidity and mortality risk. And some of it, this, is in part driven by um, reduced habitual physical activity. So a study looking at how physical activity or promoting physical activity can impact on that is going to be incredibly valuable. I started by asking Patrick to tell us a little bit more about the intervention that was used in this case to help promote physical activity. Yeah, so the intervention was a, a, a group-based self disease self-management education intervention. So we had four sessions, uh, like, like I said, group-based uh, educational sessions held at community centres or kind of locally accessible centres, um, all based around promoting disease self-management, which is this concept about taking more of an active process in your healthcare and being more involved in decisions and overall, overall having more of a say. Um, and the main aim of these sessions was to improve physical activity. And there was one of those, that, that, so that was an underlying theme across all four sessions. But also there was one of those four sessions specifically designed or tailored purely around increasing physical activity. And then the other three were about um, managing emotions. As we all know, that can be quite impactful on how you act in your healthcare. Uh, and then uh, managing treatment. So because people with multiple mobility have several conditions, that there's a lot of kind of juggling to be done in terms of, treatments and tests and medications and things like that. And finally, uh, effective communication. So how to communicate within within a healthcare team or communicate to doctors and nurses and basically take a more active role. So that was the primary element of the intervention. There was also kind of motivational and reminder and supportive text messages sent uh, throughout the 12 months at a, at a more, at a higher frequency at the beginning and then kind of tailoring off towards the end of the 12 months to promote physical activity and kind of reinforce the messages delivered in the in the intervention. So um, the aim of this study then really was, it was looking at habitual physical le- activity levels. That's That was the main aim with this yeah. kind of programme. Really, that's quite an impressive programme for someone to go through. Um, so really quite involved overall. Um, you... Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, a lot of, quite a lot of content. I mean, I think the, the key element with, with this population is that because they have such complex healthcare needs, you do need quite a kind of, not intense is the wrong word, but comprehensive intervention, let's say, to address the barriers. It's worth pointing out that there were, you know, the people in this study, they all had, they all had multimorbidity, didn't they? How did you define yeah. that in this particular study? So that's the, the coexistence of two or more long-term chronic conditions, basically. So any of the conditions that are indicated in the quality outcomes framework, a few were, were considered as exclusion criteria based on a kind of contraindications to exercise or, or uh, attendance and intervention. But yeah, that's the definition. Yeah. So great. So we've got this study, people with multimorbidity, two or more conditions, this, this quite comprehensive intervention to help those people to see if they get more physically active. You should tell us a little bit more about what you planned as the outcomes and then what you found, Patrick. So the outcome was a overall change in volume of daily physical activity at 12 months. So that was measured using a wrist-worn accelerometer, which we did at zero, six, and 12 months. We gave it, we physically handed them the accelerometer at zero and 12 and posted it out to them at six months. Um, And surprisingly enough, we found that there was actually a slight decrease in daily physical activity in the intervention group 
as opposed to, oh, sorry, with, with respect to the control group. They both also decrease slightly anyway, which is potentially what you might expect over the course of a year in this population. But slightly unusually and unexpectedly, the intervention group actually showed a small but statistically significant decrease relative to the control group, which, as you can imagine, was not expected. No, it's certainly not what you would be hoping with a comprehensive intervention like that. But again, you know, it wasn't self-reported. You were using the objective measure with the accelerometers. Um, So um, that's quite a a good outcome in that regard, isn't it? In terms of um, it's a good way to measure that outcome in particular. So it's quite a reliable result. What was the actual size of the the magnitude of the difference? So the difference relative to um, the control group, the intervention went down about 0.8 milligravitational units, which is a, a slightly unusual or, or outcome measure or hard to interpret outcome measure. But basically at, at baseline, the, 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 the whole group were displaying about 20 milligravitational units per day. So they went down by about 0.8 relative to the control. Yeah. Um, we, we, we're not, we think it's potentially not, clinically significant as we think the, the kind of minimum minimum clinically important difference is about one so there's arguments to be made that it wouldn't really have affected health uh in a, in a noticeable way but it was a statistically significant reduction yeah what you you did try to i think in the in the discussion quantify that in terms of minutes of activity to give people an idea of what that means give it give us an indication of where, where what sort of levels you're talking about here in terms of a clinically significant difference yeah, so so the, the change that we found approximates to about five minutes of brisk walking. Um, so you're looking at five to six minutes of brisk walking as the kind of minimum important difference. So we're kind of right on that threshold, really, with this with this outcome. Yeah. So as you say, that's kind of you've always got to be careful. We've got to be careful both ways when someone's on the brink of statistical significance, and then actually, I, as you've quite rightly pointed out there, what that means clinically. Yeah, but all the same, yeah. actually, so there may be that they were more or less, as, you know, they were very close to being the same, even though yeah. it was a statistical difference, but certainly not an improvement. What? So tell us a little bit about what the research team thinks is going on here. So I think that we, well, I and we think the most likely thing is that because this population is so broad in terms of characteristics and so diverse in terms of conditions and needs for healthcare and barriers to physical activity performance, we think that potentially... Um, it's just a very hard nut to crack in terms of promoting physical activity with with one approach, even though it is a relatively in-depth, tailored approach as such when you're in these educational sessions. It might just be that it needs a lot more focusing on each person's individual um, barriers. The, the other thing that may have been a factor is that, as you normally see when you do physical activity research, is that the population was already reasonably active at the start of the study. As you know, when we recruit people to physical activity interventions, the people most likely to volunteer are the ones that are already interested in physical activity and therefore probably already reasonably active to begin with. So that does limit the benefit um, to a degree. So I would say those are the two uh, most um, probable reasons why we found what we found. Yeah, it's noticeable that you actually measured that I think uh, the participants actually met the recommended target of 150 minutes of that kind of moderately vigorous, whatever it is, physical activity per week, which actually is quite unusual in the general population for people to meet that. There are most people, I think yeah. the majority of the population are well below that, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, so the uh, the methodology that we use, which is the wrist-worn accelerometer, can slightly overestimate, but yeah, uh, basically they, they, they as with the findings that we that we found, they were meeting these guidelines already, which, as you say, is slightly unusual. But again, it just met, reinforces what I said before, that people who volunteer for exercise studies or physical activity studies are typically more 
active than the general population. It's the kind of participation bias that we see a lot. Yeah. Did you think your recruiting was a factor there then in terms of how you got these people? Or is, is it just, there's always people who decide to go ahead with it are those that even when you even if you do it completely randomly, the people who then consent are the ones, as you say, who've already who are already interested. Exactly. And because the population is so broad, we had um, uh, a, a large amount of people we could go to to recruit for, basically. So we didn't um, we basically took all the people that were really keen because why, you know, why wouldn't we? And as you say, the more keen you are, the more um, the more likely you are to be active. You know, we didn't have to really kind of pursue every last avenue to get the number that we wanted. It was it was a relatively easy recruitment uh, effort, which in a way may have been uh a limitation of the study yeah it's an interesting point isn't it because we we see randomized control trials in primary care in particular can be very difficult to do and you want to recruit yeah. people and the dropout can be horrible and you go to yeah. all this time and effort for uh, you know and trials aren't easy to set up and they're costly no. and time consuming demand a lot of resources the last thing you want is them failing to get through the minimum to the minimum required numbers for the power calculation for instance but then actually say it's a bit of a double-edged sword with um, ones involving physical activity so it's an interesting dilemma you found yourselves in. yeah yeah yes it is yeah and and it's something that's a bit of a a conceptual problem with physical activity research it's it's not exactly a problem with no solution but it's a pretty persistent problem yeah interesting so what what you think the future here patrick more than anything is a subgroup you get digging into the subgroups you say you had a big sort of amorphous mass of people who had multi-morbidity here and actually what we need to look at is try to find the specific groups who may benefit from this kind of intervention exactly yeah and we did try to look into that with the data that we've collected in terms of subgroup analysis but obviously it's when you talk about statistical power and we're not powered to to look at subgroups with the amount that we uh, of patients that we recruited so i i feel like the best uh, way forward is to really focus on identifying patients or groups at need the most at need for physical activity promotion um obviously from a research perspective that becomes slightly difficult because as i've said they're typically not the ones that want to do this type of research so, so there's some work there some intervention development work and, and a lot of i think engaging with these communities and these populations that needs to be done in order to really address how we can better recruit or target these individuals so that we can show so that we can have the most potential for benefit yeah um patrick that's really great thank you very much i don't i i I, we're very pleased to publish even some negative study in that regard i think it has an important message still and in terms of publication bias it's really important that studies where and we don't find a difference still get published so we're very happy to have out there and i think i don't think the message by any stretch of the imagination is that um we we shouldn't increase physical activity in these groups of patients it's just that that particular intervention in this group couldn't show a difference but um some interesting work to come yeah yeah like you said we all know physical activity is good for you it's just a case of um or for, mo- for the most part, it's just a case of trying to find pragmatic and reasonable ways to, pr- to promote activity in, the, in these populations, which is the tricky part. That's fantastic. Patrick, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks.